Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. My name is Sarah Buttery. I'm MJ Smith, and this week we are joined by the co-host, or the host of the Fandom Mentals podcast, Harley Mumford. Harley, welcome to the show, man. Hello. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, we've both done the show, uh, done your show, Fandom Mentals. I talked mm-hmm. about pinball for what seemed like forever i'm sure <laughs> and uh sarah talked about disney movies uh her our two expertises uh outside of jaws um so yeah this is just a way to you know cross cross promote and and have mm-hmm. everyone involved because uh i think that's the wonderful thing about podcasting is like getting to know new people and collaborating on each other's stuff so absolutely yeah it's, it's been a blast and yeah both of you guys are absolutely amazing i have to say it was really really enlightening Ah, yeah that's awesome stop thanks man (laughs) um so you're here uh on our show on our turf to talk about jaws now Mm -hmm. uh so do you want to give like a a brief kind of personal history uh that you have with with this film yeah sure um i it's weird i listen to you guys every week i knew that question was coming but now i'm off guard (laughs) Um, (laughs) no it's fine uh so for me i think the first time i saw it was i'm fairly certain around 12 years old when I was visiting my grandparents who live in St. Ives, Cornwall. And I think because they knew I loved films like Jurassic Park and stuff like that, when it just came to putting a film on, they must have thought, well, he'll probably like Jaws, so let's give it a try. And yes, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, but then years later, I was in school and um, my English teacher, shout out to Mr. Budge, absolute legend that he was, got us to do an assignment where we analyzed the language of film and we picked on a scene from Jaws and it's this very scene which you guys are talking oh. about today the Alex Kintner scene and it's incredible we looked at the script we watched the scene over and over um, and it just since then I have never looked at film the same way and it really got me to appreciate what a good director can do what a good actor can do the music everything so yeah this this film has like a really deep um, place in my heart as in terms of you know starting me off as just becoming a, a sort of you know a cinephile really someone who loves film and can sit and appreciate all sorts of genres and it, yeah I really owe a lot to this movie yeah that's awesome I love those movies that kind of just like split your skull in two and go mm. where you go a movie can be that I didn't yeah. know a movie could I didn't know a movie could do that Absolutely. that's what movies are and I think I think everyone in our kind of world has one or two movies that are like that. And I think for a lot of people, Jaws is one of them. Um, which is weird because, you know, you, you, you feel like, um, you feel like it's, it's maybe sort of art housey or like more independent stuff. And Jaws is kind of the, like a summer blockbuster, right? Like, and, but it's so well put together and just, you know, I was talking to, to someone on, on Twitter last night and, I just said it's a really brash movie, but I meant it as a compliment. Like, it's just so confident and bold. And you're just like, what is this? Even 45 years later, you're like, this is this is unlike any other movie like this that I've ever seen. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's oft imitated, rarely duplicated. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You can see why this is known as the first summer blockbuster. This is a film that you, can, you get why it has universal appeal. There's so much that goes on to it. And I, I think it's a perfect one to uh, to do this kind of podcast on really and, and break it down minute by minute yeah so let's do that um this scene <laughs> follows uh if you're if you're following along at home it is uh 13 minutes and 35 seconds until 14 minutes and 43 seconds which has been the most difficult time i've had to stop <laughs> watching the scene i think yeah i agree it, it's so good it's so, i caught myself i was i went over by a few seconds before i realized i was just like oh shit like <laughs> i just got i got so engrossed in it um again um for the you know millionth time um but this is this is the first public shark attack this is the the death of alex kittner and pippet we are not going to forget pippet 
in uh, in the victim count here because his life mattered too, and uh, you know it, it's it's it, this crowded beach and um, Alex comes out of the water, talks to his mom, asks if he can get the raft. He passes a lady who's on her way into the water. We see um, does Pippet's owner have a name? I don't think so. No, no, I was looking okay. out for that. It doesn't seem yeah. to have one. So we see Pippet's owner playing with him, um, playing fetch in the water. We see a couple in the water, and Alex talks to his mom. They have an exchange about him uh, him pruning, uh, and she says 10 more minutes, and he goes to grab a raft, and the camera pans over, and we see uh, Ellen Brody talking to um, another couple about what it means to be an islander, and we see Chief Brody watching the water like a hawk being extremely uncomfortable and then we see alex go back out into the water and the scene ends or we've cut the scene uh where pippet and his owner are kind of having a tug of war over the stick they've been using um and it is it was so, it was so frustrating. It was so like I was I gotta say, Sarah. Like I was like I understand why we did this, and I don't want to diminish your hard work, but I was very frustrated with. You. Yeah, I can only apologize. Um, there was there's, there's some moments. Will this will not be the first time it happens? So let me just like apologize and caveat that in advance because there'll be so many other scenes that we cover where you come on and you're like legit mad at me and like (laughs) I watched 15 minutes after that. How could you? Um, Yeah, yeah, this is absolutely one of those moments. But on the plus side, every cloud and all that, it means that we spread out this kind of the first kill that we really see properly. I think this is going to take us like four or five episodes to fully get through. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I know. It's it's a longer scene than you think because there's so many different elements of it. And this is, I guess, just the build-up and setting up that there is this whole host of people that could be the first victim. We see, you know, you mentioned the, the, uh, the couple, the dog... There's a woman who's going swimming as well and Alex. And at this point, we're like, which, you know, which one is it going to be? And I I think it's so effective in kind of seeing all those people together and not really knowing how it's going to end or or which way it's going to go. But yeah, there's there's a lot to to get to just in this moment. And I'm very sorry uh, that I had to cut it at some point um but uh there's no changing now it's in a it's in my spreadsheet it's in my episode breakdown so we can't um <laughs> we can't dive into yep. any more this week but just next week we'll come back and, and talk about some more so um yeah um harley do you want to i you sound like you have uh studied this scene in great detail so um we'll we'll hand it over to you and um kick oh, us wow. off with uh yeah no pressure <laughs> or anything <laughs> your kind of first first thoughts well, or anything um you spotted that's fair and yeah i did spend the whole summer diving into this i don't have those notes anymore because they're 10 years old and why would i but um <laughs> i have made fresh ones and it's nearly five pages worth um, just <laughs> I th- yeah i think also because when i realized the minute and the length of time I was like i want to try and notice as much as possible uh mm-hmm. from this scene and there is a lot and like you said the next couple of weeks i mean i i went ahead and watched this scene right to the end um because i can um yeah. it was so much. rubbing it there's, in yep yep but there's so much to go and i was just yeah there's it's such a great scene man i mean the opening shot is a tracking shot and that introduced me to tracking shots and it's something that even now as me and my wife abigail will watch a film and she'll go oh you like this and i'm like yes i do i love a tracking <laughs> shot um, and spielberg uses them all the time and to such great effect so yeah, as you said um mj at the start it literally begins with it's kind of a weird one because it starts with like a split second on the lady going in and the couple behind her and then the dog just behind her. So there's like the three red herrings straight away mm. and then it kind of sharp jerks almost like straight back up the beach with Alex. Um, and I, th- I think that's genius. So just like from this, literally the first second that you're introduced to this scene, you've, you've got those characters all there. So when everything else happens later on, when Brody's watching the water and all those red herrings pay off, I think it's brilliant, you know, because you, you're sort of almost unconsciously registering those people. 
So when everything else that happens later happens, which I don't want to get into your next few weeks episodes, but when it comes up, <laughs> you're already aware, you know, so you, when Brody reacts, you, I think it's brilliant. It sort of sets that up in such a way that you're not confused. Or you're not going, oh, who's that? You, you, you already know. You go, oh, yeah, the woman in, in the in the bathing suit. Oh, yeah, the couple. And it's sort of it's, it's really good, I think. Just absolutely brilliant use of that kind of shot. Yeah, that was so this is maybe I'm dumb, but this is the first time I've noticed that's a tracking shot. And it goes back to the thing <laughs> that I was talking about a few weeks ago. Um, once again, not my observation. Tony Zhao, every frame of painting. Spielberg does a lot of these, but mm. they're so invisible that you don't even notice them. So watching this scene today, I was like, I've never noticed that this is all one take before where... It pans to the woman in the bathing suit going into the into the, the the water and then catches up with Alex. Like it switches perspectives. It switches yeah. uh, ca- uh, character focus, which is one of my favorite things in shots like this. There's um, it's much longer and calls way more attention to itself. But I don't know if you guys have seen the Paul Thomas Anderson movie Magnolia. Um, I have. There's yeah. a really long tracking shot in that that switches characters a handful of times, and it's great. um it's it's backstage behind like a it's like a jeopardy style game show but they're doing like kids week or whatever and so it just kind of switches from like the contestants walking to the stage to the host preparing to the producers getting everything set up and the parents of the kids and stuff like that so um it like it really reminded me of that scene but much more condensed because it's not that long of a tracking shot but it is longer than standard and Mm. um i think that that goes to show just kind of once again, it's very in your face without, but subtle. It's weird. It's this weird balance of you realize, I think I've always subconsciously realized that this is longer than usual, but I've just now fully like outside of my subconscious taking in the scene, realize mm. that. Um, but it's really effective to amp up the tension because yeah it kind of feels like you're watching it from Brody's point of view, even though he kind of shoots it from this, like almost omniscient, like on the side of everything. Um, It it feels like it's, you know, it feels like you're noticing the same things that Brody would be noticing, even though we're not necessarily in his head yet. Yeah. What actually, what's interesting about you saying like um, being from Brody's perspective is that we then like, I didn't, kind of clock before but we follow alex kind of all the way back as he then walks past the people on the beach the couple that are talking to ellen so then that takes our focus but alex is wandering past in the background and he goes to behind where they are to pick up his um his raft and brody doesn't even turn his head so he he is watching Mm. the the water like a hawk but alex the, the 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 victim the very person who he well, we know he should be keeping his eye on because we know what's coming, almost kind of like slipped past unnoticed. And I thought that was a really neat kind of early visual cue about, you know, it that being the last person we expect to be the victim because yeah. it's so bold. And, you know, this film is, is incredibly bold, like you said, MJ, and it killing a child i mean we'll (laughs) we'll get to that when it happens because it is it is brutal but that i i just liked that as a kind of like a bit of visual storytelling with the person who we least expect to be the first kill kind of slipping past brody's line of sight you know he he never takes his eyes off the water and it's a great bit of silent acting from roy scheider as well because you can completely tell all the stuff that's going through his mind and in fact in this moment as he's staring out at the water everything that we've seen in the previous you know 13 minutes or whatever of this film is going through his head and he conveys all of that without saying anything so there's so much good stuff kind of from that shot that tracking shot that sets up the rest of this the rest of this scene and what unfolds after this Oh, big time, yeah. Uh, I just I noticed as well something. Uh, thanks to you, MJ. I'd, n- I'd never noticed this before, but the theme of yellow, mm-hmm. in uh, and yeah, a bunch of the characters. I mean, Alex obviously when he gets his raft, famously is yellow. Um, but then the shirt of the dog owner is yellow, mm-hmm. and I think the woman with the bathing suit. I'm not. Maybe it was just my screen, but it looked like a blue and yellow stripy top that she's wearing. 
I could There's, be wrong. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it's blue and red. Yeah, his mom's Alex oh, Kittner's okay. mom's hat is yellow. That's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing. Yeah, Alex Kittner's mum's uh, hat is yellow, and I just thought that was really interesting. And the fact that Alex is wearing like bright red shorts, I, I don't know if that's like a deliberate choice on Spielberg's part to have like a color that isn't associated, or is you know maybe it's red for blood. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but <laughs> I just thought it was do. interesting <laughs> that he flashes up all this yellow in front of us, mm. and like you say, the one character. That the last character we expect almost just slips right past. Yeah, I so the only notes I had were the tracking shot and then all the yellow. And then <laughs> yes, for the first time, I noticed that Alex Kittner's shorts are red, and I think it is definitely connected to blood because we've already seen that in the beginning of the movie with Brody's son getting bit by the vampire or cut by the vampire or whatever on his hand. He's got the blood, and that's the first instance of blood in the movie. And so, to me, that draws a direct line of there's, there's, you know, child blood in the water for the shark next. Mm. Um, and I think also, like, the kid looks really similar to Brody's kid. So until we find out yeah. that that's Alex Kittner, I think we are supposed to think that's Brody's kid. Uh, that's, a, that's good a good point. point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a- another really great I don't, again i don't know if it's foreshadowing or just something i picked up on this time because i'm really concentrating um but <laughs> what i notice is so when this scene starts the music is very cheerful um in fact yes. uh side note we all love uh what the subtitles or i personally love what the subtitles uh, describe the music as being and i made a note of it uh cheerful instrumental music is what we hear <laughs> um and we hear <laughs> we hear this music all the way through up until the point alex hits the water so at that point the music cuts out and if you didn't notice this please go back and watch it so you can know that i am not insane and it does happen so <laughs> <laughs> from the moment this scene starts up until alex has he's on the raft and he kind of slams into the water we hear this cheerful music and it's the moment of his body making impact with the water that we then get this dead silence and from that point it then kind of we see alex kind of splashing about we see pippet splashing about the woman is just kind of floating serenely in the background and we see the young couple kind of mucking about as well Mm. but it's the music then then comes back i think as it kind of transitions into the the next bit which we'll we'll talk about next week but i thought that was incredibly effective and i don't know how intentional or not but it's i I, there has to be something the fact that it is when alex enters the water that's when that kind of cheerful background music stops i thought was Mm. very interesting yeah no no definitely um just to kind of go back a little bit if you guys don't mind Mm. i had some notes on the interaction with alex and his mum. um so I was really curious about this. This is just how my weird brain works. But I was thinking, because she quite loudly says, oh, Alex Kintley, your fingers are beginning to prune. And so I, my immediate thought was, why does she care so much about that? Like, is there anything to be concerned about with pruning fingers and children? So I did a deep dive on pruning fingers. <laughs> <Here we go>. <laughs> <laughs> so this comes direct from healthline.com. Um, so apparently and this is what I always thought the medical community used to believe that it was solely because of water immersion and that's what I always thought right you know you have a long bath um, you know your fingers get a bit pruney whatever but apparently it could be because of one of the following symptoms as well so get ready for this so not only is it water immersion but it could also be dehydration diabetes thyroid disorders uh, I'm going to read this wrong lymphedemia lupus, vitamin B12 deficiency. Now, I don't know if maybe Alex Kintner's mum is a hypochondriac and she's worried about any one of these particular things, but I figured it's probably just water immersion because if it is, then apparently that means it's harmless and just dry off, you'll be fine. Or maybe she's worried about him dehydrating and wants him to take water breaks. That's probably the best guess at this point. Yeah, Content. I... <laughs> I, I think it was I think it was uh probably just dehydration or maybe just mom lies, 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know how like parents just lie to their kids all the time of like, oh, that's something bad. Um, yeah. They want to leave. Um, yeah. But, you know, I remember I used to go swimming at my brother's a lot. And the only thing that would happen to me is if I was in there for a really long time, um, if the, the, the surface of the pool was a little bit rough, my skin would be soft and I would get like minor scrapes and cuts on the bottom of my foot sometimes. But that was like, it was forever before it got, I mean, it only happened to me once that I can think of when I was a kid. Um, so it does soften the skin a little bit. It makes it, I guess, more susceptible to, to cuts and scrapes and stuff, um, as well. But I, that's certainly more to do with the, the water immersion than anything, I'm sure. I hope so. It just, I don't know why it just kind of <laughs> caught my attention. I was just like, why does that matter? And, but I think you're right. MJ. maybe it's just mum lies. Like, um, I heard one recently on another podcast that cracked me up because I immediately identified with it where my parents used to say, um, you know, if, if you tried to turn the, the car, the intern interior light on in the car while they were driving, they would say, mm -hmm. that's illegal. You can't do that. I'll get arrested yep. or I'll get pulled over. Is that universal? It's not mm -hmm. just me. Yeah. That, I right, believed okay. that until recently. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> Incredible, right? Incredible that there's like these universal parent lies. So maybe it is, maybe it's just that. <laughs> so, on here, boy. yeah not to get too off topic i recently <laughs> within the last maybe half decade or so realize why they say that though mm -hmm. and it's because we were on our way to a concert and my wife we were running late my wife had to do her makeup in the car on the way there and she turned the light on and it is hard as shit to see um yeah. with the in the dark with the light on in the car which is yeah. why i was like i was like oh I know there's another adult in the car with me who also knows this isn't illegal, but I feel like telling her that because I cannot <laughs> see the right lane. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> I think though, like just uh, just uh, bringing this neatly back to <laughs> neatly back to Jaws, is that all of Sorry. these? No, no, no. That's <laughs> we're, we're allowed to go very off topic as we frequently do. Um, but all of these things really just kind of add to that foreshadowing and as much as we it's kind of left open who the first victim is going to be and i think that remains the case as the as the scene unfolds mm. but you know alex's mum's concern over him being in the water that's kind of a red flag and you know mm. the, the red shorts are right there so you know red flag <laughs> um yeah. and then this you know that's that's within the film but then the the things that the film is using as well like i said when the, that music kind of cuts out and then it's silent all of these things are just kind of adding adding up and kind of going against alex really and he's also the only actually no pippet is named following this but um we he's the only one of these characters that at this point we know their name um mm. so that also to me kind of adds that extra it's that extra gut punch when what happens happens because not only yeah. is he a child, but we also know his name. We've had this little we've had this little build up as well, and we that happens with with Chrissy as well. Like as she's running along running along the beach, you know, one of the few things mm. she says is is Chrissy. She she tells Tom her name, so yeah. it's adding that that personal thing to it as well. We've not spent that long with this character, but we've we've seen his relationship with his mum which seems like quite nice and sweet she is showing this concern um about him being in the water for too long and 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 telling those mum lies so yeah all of all of this is i think is related to what this scene is trying to achieve which is really effectively foreshadowing something mm -hmm. bad about to happen and yeah i wonder what you guys think as well about the how this scene kind of sets it up with the possible like, multiple victims that you know that we could see because it it's kind of like a a, a veritable shark buffet is being uh <laughs> is being presented to us and we're like oh which one mm. is it gonna be we're kind of like you know rubbing our hands together like who's who's <laughs> gonna be on the menu first who's gonna be the appetizer what's gonna be the dessert you know maybe that's just me <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I was just going to say on that note, I've I've written on my notes. Maybe this is too dark, but I just put words. I put words. Mrs. Kintner will regret forever. Just ten more minutes. Oh, like so brutal. And I thought about that, and afterwards I was like, oh, that was evil of Spielberg to put that in the script. Like that's just oh my goodness. But mm. yeah, no, you're right. I think that's something we 
studied quite closely in in my class when we looked at it was the red herrings and how it's all set up and and to come back to what you guys were saying earlier the fact that we're then put in Brody's perspective for the rest of the scene like and again I'm not going to I'm trying not to go into too much into the next few weeks episodes but with each one that happens you you feel the tension ratcheting up because it, mm. it could plausibly be any one of these that he set up yeah I I think this scene is a like a, it's a it's a master class mm-hmm. intention and i think also sarah it goes back to this weird dichotomy we have of slasher type movies right yeah, because yeah. it's like well i don't i don't want people to go on killing sprees like i was listening to a podcast this week and they interviewed a guy who was the victim of a stabbing spree and it sounded horrible but if I watch something like we just had yesterday, Friday the 13th, I want to see those kids get stabbed to death. And so, wow. Um, Dark. I'm glad, I'm glad we're doing this over uh, over internet. Yeah. Can so, that be the episode title, please? That's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I was, I was making a mental note. I was like, mom lies. What else? Like... Um, but you know there is this i think and i think that you get this more with like quote unquote movie people or whatever where i think you know all of us recognize the craft that goes into this so we recognize those moments as yes in the narrative of the film those people are dying but we also can kind of see the matrix code behind what goes into it and see the kind of special effects work at play and and you know the work that went into making a convincing or scary special effect and so i think that's what that's that's the point i'm trying to make is it's like oh i want to see how they accomplished you know this uh this scene with the the or this this particular kill i want to see you know how this person goes out whether it's you know for the jason movies it's the famous getting stabbed through the neck right the tom savini gray necks Mm -hmm. and uh just being like oh that's super cool how they did that like you know i bet i always say uh when i see people get get kind of murdered in these movies where that kind of you could argue like glorifies it or where it's supposed to be kind of like the fun of the movie is watching the victims get their lives taken from them you can be like i always tend to be like oh i bet they had fun doing that you know like i bet that was really fun to film um to you know to act you know just way over the top and like because you you have to go kind of broad when you're dying like that right and so um that's that's the that's how i always view it anyway but anyway this goes back to this scene also goes back to the previous scene right where vaughn is telling him that the swimmers will be glad to swim it um what is it cape cod and mm. long island or whatever and Bertie says that doesn't mean we have to serve them up a smorgasbord and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still reeling from what you just said a minute ago. <laughs> There's no coming back from that. <laughs> oh, wait till, wait, till, wait till Alex actually gets killed and you find out my stance on pro-killing children in movies. <laughs> Can oh, I be back boy. for that episode? I won't even be recording. I just want to sit in and listen. <laughs> live I've, I, oh no i've earned that reputation on my other podcast for sure that you know i've i've said like if a movie if a movie kills a kid it makes me like it more not because i don't like kids but because i know it's not playing around <laughs> that's very true actually okay. uh, an, <laughs> an interesting uh slightly related point to that is that um i would like to uh publicly declare that this is the only film that escapes uh, my usual system for bringing the rating down on a film, which is in if there is ever ever a dog death or any kind of pooch yep. peril, um, I will remove at the very least half a star. Um, Jaws is the only film that does not uh, fall victim to that because I like to think that Pippet doesn't die. <laughs> and i, I, I would like to that keep sentiment. that fantasy yeah yeah that's fine he, yeah exactly you don't you don't see him go you know maybe he just went to the other side of the beach maybe he just went went somewhere else off screen and he just didn't see him that's what he I says want he has to, to be dead exactly that's yeah. what i want to dream where where do you stand yeah. on a dog killing mj <laughs> um yeah, does, I... does that make it more exciting for you <laughs> 
<laughs> what if a child is killed by a dog? Does that kind of make it even better? Oh, Cujo. Cujo. By that logic, Cujo should be my favorite film of all time then, right? Um, I don't know. Does a kid get killed in Cujo by a dog? I don't know. I've, I've only seen the end of Cujo and I think they survived. Um, One star. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, I don't have, like, it's this... This is this is really going to make me sound like a psycho. But <laughs> I don't have... And maybe this is because I've never owned a dog of my own. I have had pets. I have my two cats. Um, there it is. You're a cat but, person. But... <laughs> I, eh. Um, I mean, I love my two cats. My two cats are great. Um, but... W- the thing with a dog, I feel like... I have the opposite effect because it happens so often that i feel like it's a shortcut to emotional manipulation and i don't like it like killing a dog feels lazy to me (laughs) um where it's just like okay it's why i like i hate those here just watch a dog die movies like i don't understand the appeal of something like a my dog skip or a marley and me or whatever where it's like you see the trailer for the movie and you're like okay so i know this dog's gonna die at the end why would i watch this like there's no I don't, I don't, I I do not understand the appeal of watching a movie that you know is like engineered to make you cry. If it earns it, that's fine. But like, I can watch a trailer for a dog movie and in 10 seconds be like, oh, okay, this dog is going to die and I'm going to be sad. Like, why would I watch that? It's the same thing with those. There's a subgenre of movie that I call like, here, watch this teenager die of cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. why, why? Why would I watch that? yeah fair enough okay <laughs> Looking at you didn't expect me to have a hot take on dogs dying movies <laughs> no no yep. but it's all good I, I had a note actually on um sorry if if you can hear background noise it's the rains decided to attack my house um it's very it's atmospheric it is yeah it just sets the scene no uh what i was gonna say i regarding the dog and the dog owner, which we'll just call Yellow Shirt Man because he doesn't have any other <laughs> characteristics. I'm convinced, right, because there's a tracking shot where it starts, it's really genius. It starts with him running along the beach with the dog and he's about to throw the stick in the water. And at the beginning of the tracking shot, there's the lady floating in the water. And then at the end, just before it changes, it's the young couple. And then it cuts to him. And I'm, I'm sure of this, very angrily throwing the stick and the reason why I say angrily is because the next shot is this is the dog heading straight for the couple. <laughs> and I just put in my notes, like, did, was he aiming for them? <laughs> was that his plan? Was he trying to hit them with the stick or ruin their happy time with the splashing dog? Like, I just, I don't know. I went back and looked at his face and his, you can register it as either he's putting a bit of welly into it or like there's genuine pain on his face as he's throwing the stick. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much. Pippet's owner is an incel confirmed. <laughs> There's your episode title. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A hotly contested uh, battle for best episode title this week. Yeah, Um, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, dear. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like this angle, though, of, like, maybe maybe that's his ex. Maybe maybe one of them... One of them is his ex, and he's like, "Well, screw the screw these people, like, right?" Because it's literally the dog heads straight for them, and I'm like, "I'm I'm sure that because he's just following the stick. Dog doesn't know what he's doing." But I'm like, "I'm sure he was aiming for that couple." And like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> a jilted former lover. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a deep cut for you that Spielberg just slid in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he thought we wouldn't notice, but we're we're mm. we're smart, Spielberg. We notice these things. <laughs> no, I definitely think he approached it and was like, one day, these two people are going to have a podcast where they watch this fucking movie <laughs> minute by minute or thereabouts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's oh, give dear. them something to look for. <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> I guess another um, another idea in this scene that comes back on a lot of things that we've talked about previously is this idea of being an islander and it's explicitly Mm -hmm. said um in this scene by a character who uh the subtitles reliably informed me is called mrs taft um so i can only assume the guy there is mr taft um but it's actually it's the woman who says it and uh i 
in previously in all my watchings of this thought it was a guy who said it so uh no shade on that uh lovely actress's voice um uh or clearly my uh you know <laughs> what is it where you have your uh, unconscious bias uh clearly i just thought it was this guy who was being this guy who was being rude uh no but she, she even before she kind of gets to that exchange with with ellen she is basically just absolutely slamming all the tourists on the island she's like yeah she's like yeah. there are no islanders none of them are from the island it's just a big bother and i'm like oh okay and now what do you really feel yeah. you know <laughs> yeah happy to take the money but doesn't want them around interesting well, exactly and this this notion as well of ellen sort of quite innocently then asks like you know when do i get to become an islander and she is like never like unless you're born here you're not an islander yeah. and i think that's such a it's such an interesting concept like it's a bit of a foreign concept to me we'll have to ask uh, andy who was on last week whether that's something that uh uh, he experienced mm. on his uh, on his island that he was born on, but mm-hmm. yeah, just th- this this sense that that kind of unwelcome unwelcome visitors on on the island or anything. My kind of reading of it was anything that really destabilizes the status quo of this of this island is not something that is welcome and is not something that the the locals there are going to listen to, even though they are entirely reliant on tourism to to get them through um so that in a in a weird way kind of then makes sense like what they're why they react the way they do in terms of this shark this shark is (laughs) the shark is a tourist uh you know it's he's not he's not welcome there he hasn't been there before he's not a he's not a (laughs) resident my brain is going to my brain Listen, is going if to he was pies. a local shark and he was tearing up children, that would be fine. We he wouldn't, wouldn't have mind. a problem. But, but he's one of those foreign sharks that comes in here, <laughs> eats our tourists and our local children and our dogs, apparently, and it's not okay. <laughs> so That's incredible. I love that. Now my brain is running with... I Sorry, I'm derailing this point you're making. No, go on. It's... <laughs> To me, this shark is like sitting in like a sunning chair with the, the, the tanning foil in like a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses with like a drink with an umbrella in it. And then he just gets arrested for no reason. <laughs> There's your next t-shirt. Yeah, that's the fan art I want to see. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but a very, He's got a uh... camera around his neck. Sorry, Sarah, we're derailing these really yeah, like, profound points that you're making no, no. about themes throughout the film. And it's hit me and MJ just jumping in with stupid skits, it's, but never mind. It's quite all right. And in fact, <laughs> as I was talking, my brain was imagining something very, very similar of this. It was like sharky tourists. So the derailing is happening left, right and centre here. Don't worry, but um, I've, okay. I've, I'm enjoying it anyway. <laughs> but... Although, <laughs> that's fine. Speaking of tops, I was just going to say, um, MJ, your shirt uh, gag just made me re- remember something, and I could be remembering this wrong, but you know, there's there's the shots where then you get, you've got, and and I think it's brilliant because Spielberg does this really genius thing where he doesn't give you a lot of depth perception of each person he shows you in the water, so you don't really know how far out they are. So he shows mm. you Alex, mm. he shows you the lady floating in the water, shows you the couple, shows you the dog, and when he does the shot of the dog paddling around in the in the sea. The guy goes in. I'm assuming it's the owner that goes in to kind of wrestle with him and play with him. But is that the same guy? Because he's not wearing a shirt. And the next scene cuts back to the guy on the beach with a dry yellow shirt on. Yeah, it's the... I was really confused by that. That's (laughs) a very uh, shrewd observation. And in fact, I noticed it as well. But I believe it's the the man from the young couple. It's not not super clear. But, you know, we see the dog like swimming... Like you said before, like the dog is like swimming towards them. Um, Where's the dog? I think yeah, that the guy is then kind of you know wrestling with the dog in the water because I I thought that as well. I was like, oh, he he gets dry and puts his you know snazzy yellow shirt back on real quick. But um, yeah, it's a different it's a different guy. Ah, okay. There we go. <laughs> I think we unlocked the motivation for throwing the stick at the couple. Then yes. <laughs> he's like, "Get off my yeah. dog!" and just lobs a stick at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, something that I did want to um, 
a shout out in this scene is it's kind of something I alluded to earlier, but how effectively it uses that silence and that moment when the music cuts out and mm. the the sound design. I know it's just like the 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 splashes of water, but that against the backdrop of silence is so effective. Like those splashes sound deafening, and yeah. uh, that's I think. I, I, as we've mentioned on previous episodes, we both tend to watch uh, the the clip for the week with pretty decent headphones on. So you're kind of getting that background noise and really hearing everything and really experiencing everything. Um, but yeah, when I, I, I deliberately kind of like turned up the volume on, on that bit because I was like, wow, yeah, that's, that's incredibly effective. And also knowing what we know about the shark and that he, uh, comes along when there's sort of a splashing or disturbances in the water those those splashes of the water and the and the screams of sort of the couple mucking about and everything you're suddenly like it sets my nerves on edge a little bit because i'm like oh no stop like <laughs> stop yeah, stop splashing yeah. the shark's gonna that's the sort of thing that that attracts him the ripples across the water is then what will bring him to this to this scene so mm. yeah that's a good point. The ocean is so loud in this scene. It's mm-hmm. so loud. I, I made a mental note of that too when I was watching it. I was like, this is louder than almost anything in the sound design so far. Like, I almost had to turn down my headphones because it borderline hurt my ears. <laughs> um, so going back to the, the, the thing about the you're an islander or you're not an islander um, mm-hmm. that Mrs. Taft is talking about, I noticed that it's it also goes to serve that Brody is so checked out of this because <laughs> this is something that you know we've seen Brody try to brush past before when Tom when he's talking to Tom and like I mean going back to the illustration I used about like people making jokes about my name where it's just like okay yeah fine what I'm not an islander I don't I like I don't give a damn <laughs> um <laughs> anymore you see like brody would like say something or try to move past that conversation but we see the conversation keeps going between ellen and mrs taft and brody's just like hard line on that ocean just so dead focused on it mm. yeah sorry yeah absolutely and uh, i'm kind of envious because the next couple of weeks you guys really get some amazing bits of exactly that of brody just being so just like you say checked out and done with whatever i mean just to kind of tease it there is that guy that comes over and starts talking to him and i love it when he just looks over his shoulder like he just could not care less what this bloke is saying to him and yeah like you said there's that conversation in the background with his, his wife's chime in and he's just the least bit interested he's so done with it but as as sarah was saying it's because his, his attention is focused elsewhere and the weight of everything else he's been thinking about is on his shoulders and I just think it's brilliant. The, the whole thing is, this scene is just incredible. It is really a masterclass in how to build up tension mm. and ratchet up for an audience. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, we see, to my mind anyway, we see the film play out across Brody's face and he's both yeah. simultaneously incredibly focused and just kind of looking out to see, but then also just checked out. Like, like you said, he's he's looking but he's not looking and you know i said right at the top you know alex kind of slips right past his his line of sight and in in the in the subsequent moments that follow this as things start to build up like there's the uh the moment where the couple uh are like screaming and that sort of like grabs his attention and and he is trying to look past people on the beach and the the swimmer um i think it's the the guy with the bad hat isn't it who's like swimming underwater and approaching the the woman who's like just floating (laughs) serenely and he sees this like movement in the water and is like oh shark and then it's just this old guy with a bad hat um also named harry the second (laughs) harry in the movie yeah oh yeah two harrys well didn't didn't, uh didn't tweak that but um (laughs) that is some bad hat harry and uh i'm looking forward to talking about him i'm so excited about that line um (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's also, like, it goes to show that, like, we think that's good police work, but it kind of isn't, right? One, because Alex dies on his watch, and two, 
I don't know if you guys are really close to anyone in law enforcement, but my brother's in law enforcement. And if he's assessing a situation, his eyes are all over the place trying to, like... I mean, that's even um, Silence of the Lambs. You get that, right? Like, there, there's a moment where she's training and they mention that she doesn't check the corners of the room. Um, and that's kind of how Buffalo Bill gets her in the end of the movie, right? He kind of gets the drop on her because she forgets again. She gets too focused on just, like, searching. Um, and if you notice, like, if someone's if someone in law enforcement is kind of set off or set on edge by a situation, they'll start checking or like, and a lot of my friends in law enforcement and my brother will position themselves to where they can see an exit in a room. Um, just in case anything happens. The weird thing is I'm not in law enforcement at all. That spilled over to me because I grew up with my brother living with us the first few years he was in law enforcement. And so I do that now. Um, but I, uh, you'll you'll notice that they are very observant about everything instead mm. of just focused on one element and that is ultimately brody's mistake in this scene um because we see it as he's he's he knows that this is a bad idea but he's been cut off by larry in the last scene mm. so he's he's trying to do what he can but he's probably distracted and pissed off that this is happening at all um and so it just kind of it kind of compromises him in that moment enough to where this happens. Yeah, there's I, I following on from this as well. There's um, the bits where kind of people are crossing his path as well, and that it's it's a really great editing technique. And I'm I'm looking forward to to talking about that where it's like his vision is is obscured by various people mm-hmm. on on the beach. So at, that's the point where he sort of starts to starts to look and starts to kind of focus more and he sort of switches back into into cop mode but in this scene I, it's it's kind of unclear like how much time has passed between the last scene and and this scene i don't know if, if, mm-hmm. if you guys have any speculation on that but it sort of feels like the bit with larry happens like in the morning and we can safely assume that that morning he sort of sets out early um with tom to go to the beach they find the body then you know we see that obviously the stuff unfold with him in the hardware store and the confrontation with larry on the ferry this sort of feels like it's getting on i think it's the same day it just feels like it's like slightly later in the afternoon maybe or you know it feels like a couple of hours have passed because he's he's now in the position where you know ellen is on the beach she's she's with the kids there as well we see one of them uh with her as she's talking to mr and mrs taft um so brody is is at this moment i guess just assessing and kind of internally debriefing everything that everything that has happened and he's sort of taking a little bit of downtime almost but it's clear that he is not he's not switched off you know he's not kicking back in the sun lounger with his tinfoil in front of him catching a tan he's he's still very much like on on the job but he's not he's not so focused and hyper alert that he is kind of looking at every everything that's happening yet and i think again that's another really effective way of of building the tension because brody isn't super focused at this point in what's happening we start to relax a little bit as well but it's really not long until we are then kind of like brought back into it with these various red herrings that the film throws Mm. us and as as Brody starts to become more aware of the situation, that's when we as the audience become more aware as well. And it's such an effective technique. It's that sort of like, we've just had a very uh, tense confrontational scene between him and Harry where, you know, it's it ends on a sort of fairly, you know, dramatic note where he's kind of, you know, explaining what will happen if, if people start to panic about the shark. And we're now in kind of like Brody downtime where he's just taking a moment on the beach to sort of think about everything that's happened but it sort of temporarily just gives us that little bit of pause that little bit of chance to take a breath um before it really escalates in the next few moments Mm. yeah absolutely um i I would just say i I think it certainly comes across that he's reeling from that conversation Mm. that he's just had with all the guys on the barge and he's 
I kind of about you guys. I almost get the sense from his character in this moment that it's like he's torn. Like he's got this instinct telling him that this isn't right, and you know that there's something out there. But then, as you said, Sarah, like there's moments where he sort of drops his guard a bit, and so you get the sense he's. And from what you just said, MJ, he's not switched on like a a guy in law law enforcement should. So you kind of get that sense from him that he's torn between these two parts of him. Of you know, there's something out there, but maybe there isn't. And um, as you say, in the next sort of few minutes, really, that all comes crashing back down. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was trying to figure out uh, the timeline of this because I've always assumed that scene's the next day. Mm. Um, but I think what you're saying makes a little bit more sense because if you I had to scroll through and see and find when the, the police report is done. Um, and it's on the 1st of July. So I think, I don't know. I feel like the timeline's too tight, um, for it to be the next day. If, you know, stuff goes down on the 4th. Um, so, um, although, well, that's for a different episode, I guess. Anyway, (laughs) um, it just sorry. It just seems like they have Alex Kittner's funeral really freaking fast after. Um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, this scene probably does take place in the in the later afternoon, and um, he's just yeah, he's probably in his head about what happened earlier in the day with Larry, just being like, I know this is this was so preventable. You know, like, he's probably thinking, like, Polly's doing the printing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Sarah, something you said made me upset that our last episode is not called Harry, Larry, and Gary on the Ferry. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Can we change it? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Past Sarah was not as switched on as uh as i should have been but um yeah (laughs) yeah you said you said with harry on the ferry or with larry on the ferry and i was like no he's right there and we didn't think about it (laughs) but then you lose i guess you would lose the sort of like harry larry and gary like the vaudeville trio that we're sort of uh setting them up to to be in the uh in the musical jaws spin-off of our dreams um <laughs> that's a tangent. Um, Sarah, stop! We can only make so much merch. Jaws <laughs> musical would be amazing though, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Oh my goodness. Oh my yeah. Gosh. Okay, I've got nothing well, on guys. I'm gonna write it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can come back to that scarf whenever. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to do any more knitting. I can write a Jaws musical. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll we'll collab. Hey. We'll collab. We'll get we'll get MJ's wife on it. Yes. We'll get it, we'll get it oh done. no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Holy I'm crap. Down. Here's I've got the thing else going on. <laughs> we we can't be we can't be too careful with this because this show exists from a joke tweet that Sarah did. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Everything we say it, it eventually someone probably us will uh be ridiculous enough to embark on it so we're speaking out there we're speaking out there into the universe uh jaws the musical um (laughs) man i this episode is off the rails now but i cannot stop thinking about like a show tunes version of our theme song in that scene yeah just like instead of him just being like a what? Like he has a whole ass musical number about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a chorus like a what? A what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the shark that's hanging up on the dock just like suddenly like springs back to life and starts singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it starts dancing like Left Shark from the Katy Perry Super Bowl. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. I I am getting the sense that there is no coming back from how ridiculous we've made this episode now. So Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think you're right. Do, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> did you um uh, Harley, I know you've got um uh pages mm. and pages and pages of notes. Was there anything that you that we <laughs> that we haven't covered yet that you were dying to get into and before we start wrapping no, up? No, no. If anything, I think we've 
gone above and beyond, really. I've covered all of my notes, and we've come up with some incredible ideas. As someone who's very much an amateur musician and new to all this recording equipment, I'm constantly starting up ideas and being like, I could do this and do that. Now, a Jaws musical was 100% on my list of things to do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Sarah, Sarah, put it this way. When you came on my show and we talked about Disney, Mm -hmm. I, I definitely went away and I've only got like a minute in, started working on a cover version of I'll Make a Man Out of You. Oh. You can bet I have, yeah. Um, now I've put it out in the ether, I'm actually going to have to finish it. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. Uh... <laughs> yes. But yeah, George Musical, I think, will have to, will probably overtake that on my list of priorities because it's such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what am I doing to myself? There uh... was, I will say, there was this, uh, I don't know if it was a musical, um, no. but... There was a, there's this theater troupe in LA that does like famous movies. Oh, it was Austin, apparently. Um, which also makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, but they did, they did a stage version of Jaws. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was called uh, Jaws Live. <laughs> nice. Did they beat us to it? I, uh, I don't know, but I just dropped eight minutes of footage into the Discord, so... <laughs> I look oh, forward okay. to watching well, that after. <laughs> holy crap. Nice. I just clicked back onto the YouTube link and I almost burst out laughing. Man, <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> it's six seconds in and I didn't see the first five of them and it is so funny already and I can't hear it. <laughs> okay. Is it like Little Shop of Horrors but with it jewels? It kind of looks <laughs> like that. I'm here Because that, that would work. You could just have Bruce pop up every now and then. Feed me. <laughs> <laughs> that totally works. <laughs> It, oh, uh, yeah 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 you could do a parody version of uh oh that's what it is that's what it is it's a parody of little shop of horrors just with jewels there we go we've done it everyone <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome world oh goodness me what's the song that's like i just want to sue somebody someone is it so no that's an adele song someone like you yeah uh <laughs> It was like a rock song that was very popular, like a couple years ago. Oh. Is it? I just want oh, to you be know about some... you somebody by um. Oh, what is the? I've I've played that song before. What is it called? Uh, the band. <laughs> Kings of Leon. It's Kings of Leon, isn't it? Oh, you somebody. You you, you somebody. Kings of Leon. Yeah. Uh, is that the one? Or is that's it? what you're on about? Is, is it? Is it Kings of Leon? Yeah, it's like I can use somebody. Something like that. Is that the one you're thinking of? Maybe. This is great content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we've reached the end of. Everything. Yeah, it's, it's it died. It definitely died. Maybe it is this song. Anyway, we could have the shark do that, but he's like, "I just want to eat somebody." <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down. We almost harmonized there as well. I'm down. I'm grabbing my bass right now. <laughs> become a jaws jam session um i, I know the chords for that song <laughs> as well Br- oh ah ah okay i texted my wife this is gonna be a nightmare to edit but i don't give a shit because this might actually end up i texted my wife and said holy shit we just floated an idea for a jaws musical so mm-hmm. uh want to write a jaws musical and she said mm-hmm. how is there not one already and then she sent me a screenshot that says Bruce, a musical about the filming of director Steven Spielberg's 1975 horror classic Jaws will hit the shores of the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey from June 9th to July 4th, 2021. Woo! They beat us to it. (laughs) (laughs) See you there. I'm delighted that other people are as insane as us, but also uh, wish that we had come up with the idea sooner. <laughs> I know we're too late, but anyway, it's fine. We can still. How do you get the one. money for that? How do you how do you convince someone to pay for that? How do you not cost? convince them, MJ? Come on. Fair enough. <laughs> he said on a Jules podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Yeah. I think we're we ready to start wrapping up. It can do yeah, the uh, sorry. closing stuff, uh, MJ. <laughs> yeah, that's on me, Please isn't do. it? Okay, well, Harley, thank you for this <laughs> insane episode. Um, I, I don't know. Is it, is it my fault? Uh, I, don't... <laughs> I think 
I think, th th so this is our second kind of go at trying to record it. So I think we're just a little bit punchy from, <laughs> That's true. from That's true. having, having to do it. Also, you were on your second whiskey. Um, uh, yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah thanks uh thanks uh, for coming on man um and uh, it's super cool that you best. had it's super cool that you had uh this experience of analyzing this particular scene um prior to i think that's that's awesome but uh thanks man. where do you where where can we find you and your your stuff on the internet that's a good question. So yes, people can hear myself if they're not already sick of my voice. Uh, and of course, you guys, you guys have been on my podcast, Fundamentals. Uh, the best place to go for that is you can go on Podomatic where it is uh, hosted, but you can also get it on Spotify, Apple, Deezer, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's, yeah, just look for Fundamentals. It's a bright blue logo. You can't miss it. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. It is at Fundamentals Pod for both of those handles. You can also find me personally just at Harley Mumford if you want to. Um, yeah, that's where I am. And it's it's a fun little show. You guys have come on, as you said before. You guys have chosen incredible topics. Uh, Sarah did Disney animation. MJ did pinball machines and both blew my tiny mind. And that's really the aim <laughs> of the show is I get people on. They talk about what they love, why they love it. There's uh, quite a few episodes to go back through already. I think I'm up to 10 now at time of recording, and there's a few more to come. So if people want to go and check that out and tell me what they thought, I would love to hear from you. Yes, uh, hard agree. It's such a fun podcast to listen to. And, and Thank you. Uh, especially if you like learning about stuff, like because people go mm. on and they choose sort of... I like the topics on it. Like there's, It's topics that you wouldn't necessarily find in maybe your normal podcast rotation. Like I don't feel like there's too many people out there you know listening to pinball podcasts that aren't in the hobby or whatever <laughs> um but there was there was an episode with powerlifting that I, yeah. was fascinating man jordan syatt what a yeah. guy absolute legend yeah i can't believe he came on um but yeah there's, there's loads more to come there is also an episode about jaws so oh. why would you not go and check that out people mm, it's very good <laughs> i feel like this <laughs> This audience, I feel like, is like the perfect audience to advertise it for. So yeah, with, definitely. Um, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, with uh, Mark, uh, who was on that episode with you, Harley is um, mm -hmm. absolutely gonna come on uh, an episode of um, Let's Draws Good. for a minute. I I I didn't even wait for him to respond. I think I just asked him and was like, "We're doing a Jaws podcast. Please come on at some point." So <laughs> he. Will... Oh yeah, no, he he'll yeah he'll love it he's a great guy I, l I look forward to hearing that episode yeah i think it's one we're recording like uh next year at some point um it's one that's quite <laughs> far away but he was very specific about the scene he wanted to talk about so it'll be worth <laughs> the wait um and we're getting you back on yeah. as well at some point in the future harley you're doing two episodes yeah so it'll be a while that's right i've to wait <laughs> i've forgotten what scenes they are but yeah that's fine yeah, <laughs> me sure too be all right come the day <laughs> Um, yeah, other than that, we officially, officially have turned this into a contest for fan art. Um, so there has been this idea running through the show, although this episode birthed about seven more inside jokes that will, I think, continue the rest of the run of the show. Um, <laughs> but the one that kind of started it all was the logistical nightmare that would be putting handcuffs on a shark. Um... So until you have until Friday, December 18th to get in your fan art of what it looks like to arrest a shark. <laughs> um, I, is that the only parameter basically? Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's uh, fairly open creatively what you want to, if you want to draw it, if you want to dress up as a shark and do a photo shoot or something, if that's just stuff you have lying around in your house. Great. Um, I think probably drawn is what we're anticipating, but I've not really set any, <laughs> not really set any parameters. Yeah. Just... <laughs> any, any form of media that would show this will count as an entry. Yeah. If you want to do a mixed media, if you want to do magazine clippings, if you want to do an interpretive dance. Um, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, what, however much work you want to put into this, we will leave it up to you. Um, we are taking submissions until December 18th. Um, email your entry to us at jawsforaminute at gmail.com. The winner will receive a package of Jaws for a Minute merch and bragging rights that they have uh, the ultimate 
solution to arresting a shark. Um, <laughs> other than that, you can find us on Twitter at Jaws for a Minute on Twitter. Uh, that's at Jaws for a Minute. Uh, you can find Sarah at Sarah Buttery. You can find me at MJSmith891. Uh, you can buy merch if you would like to support the the, the show in a small way um, and just show your love for the show. Uh, the link to the Redbubble is in the Twitter bio, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can find it there. There's all kinds of stuff. I have uh, a shirt on the way because... Is it still up, Sarah? The the At time of recording, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, there's also... A tea public too, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Back up. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're we're hedging our bets and putting it on multiple things. So the 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 logo merch that's on there right now has the name of the show in it as well. It has the text um, at time of recording. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is maybe subject to change, but I think I got my order in either way. So uh, that's exciting. And then thank you guys for listening. We've gotten a lot of good feedback uh, both on the theme song. And uh, just on the show in general. And it's super cool to be a part of this thing that people are responding to because it is kind of an insane idea. And uh, I, I like it. I like I like doing it every week. It's definitely one of the highlights of my week. And um, it just kind of, it was born out of this shared love of it that the two of us had. And you guys are responding to it really well. And um yeah it just make it just makes us feel good and so thank you um if you like share it with your friends if you like it give us a review on your podcast uh platform of choice spotify and apple are our preferred ones um as far as getting up in the rankings go or just share it on your social medias and and let people know that you like the show um and uh be sure to tag us uh, sarah runs our twitter and she's very responsive i am uh, less so but i do see those <laughs> notifications and the and the love uh that comes through so yeah just thank you guys um we will keep doing this until we're out of jaws to watch and uh until next time it's jaws o'clock somewhere and a, a jaws a day keeps the doctor away <laughs> <laughs>